everyone and welcome to Thrive Podcast. I'm your host Hannah Edwards. Now I'm just your average health and fitness enthusiast with a passion to learn as much as I can about the mind and body and hopefully educate some of you guys listening too. In this podcast we'll bring you episodes with many inspirational guests. We'll give you an insight into the lives of these influencers, their struggles, their successes and how they got to where they are today. With the help of my guests we will give you insights into subjects such as mental health, fitness, personal development, mindset and so much more. So let's find out how you can thrive in your life too. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Podcast. We are on to episode 8 now and today I'm so excited to be joined by Whitley Davis. Now Whitley is a Manchester-based personal trainer and founder of her own online coaching business, Unique Fitness, where she not only coaches but mentors ladies through their fitness journey in a healthy, sustainable way. The reason I really wanted Whitley on today was because she is not just a regular health and fitness coach. She sees each and every one of her clients as an individual. She focuses not only on transforming her clients' physiques, but their mindset and education too. In today's podcast, we'll talk about everything social media and how it can really skew and manipulate your goals. Whitley explains how comparing yourself and aiming to look like someone else is very damaging to your mind and what you can truly achieve. We also go into how she helps clients deal with lack of motivation and not seeing the results you want when you're busting your ass every day. As well as this, Whitley goes into her own personal fitness journey and how she overcame the struggles of the binge restrict cycle after her first bikini show, as well as how living a restricted fitness lifestyle can be the cause of the deathly cravings. Finally, Whitley also explains why she became a personal trainer and her thoughts on what people really need to consider before making fitness their career. She also goes into the importance of always educating yourself, as well as what to look out for when trying to look for a good coach yourself. So without further ado, let's begin. Hey Whitney, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to be having you on. Um, before we get started, can you tell everyone listening a bit about you, what you do for a living um, and how you got into the health and fitness industry? Well, I am a personal trainer and online coach. So I run a business called Unique Fitness. Um, I've got into the fitness industry. I've, I've always been into fitness. I used to dance from when I was younger. And then I went through a period from like 13 to 16. I didn't do anything at all. Um, and then I started working in a nursery that was underneath a gym. We started going to some circuit classes and started running and then I started going like weight training and it just kind of spiraled from there really. Oh, okay. So how did you get into being kind of like a personal trainer like you are today? Was it, did you go to university and think, oh no, I don't want to do this or were you always kind of... Well, I was actually doing childcare and I was working in a nursery um, but I was so passionate about fitness and helping people and it was just kind of once I'd realized that's what I wanted to do that was yeah. nothing else that I was kind of that was for me yeah yeah so I wanted to touch a bit on kind of like mindset and personal development because I know you're really big on that and I've seen that all over your Instagram and like all the posts that you that you post are really inspiring and and they help a lot of people so why do you think mental health mindset and stuff like that is so important when wanting to commit to a fitness or a fitness goal, or even like a life goal? If your mindset is not right, like you're not going to achieve anything, not just in fitness, in anything in life, because to achieve a goal, it takes commitment, it takes dedication, it takes, you know, you've got to be strong, you've got to expect the knockbacks, you've got to be willing to fail, 
if your mindset is not in the right place, then as soon as you feel, you're going to give up, basically. You're not going to try again. So, yeah. So how do you, um, if a client comes to you and you and you don't know that they're not ready mentally, how do you figure out and find out if they're ready to commit or something like that? I do a pre-screening process with clients before I actually take them on. So we'll have a consultation and there I have an interview a kind of informal interview so then there's questions in there where I can figure out where they're at mentally and where the mindset is so then I can judge what stage they're actually at yeah okay so if a client comes to you and you can tell that they've got a mental health issue over food um or related or a mental health issue over there like a bad relationship with their body bad relationship with food something like that but they are committed to to recovering and to to getting better or to losing the weight or something like that um what are the first steps that you you'll do if someone's maybe got a mentally bad um, relationship with food, what was the first thing you'll do? First thing I would do is try and help them identify where this bad relationship has come from, uh, so where these issues stem from, if there's anything that triggers these issues, and then once you've established that and they've accepted that, then you can take steps to kind of put in place to kind of reduce that and overcome them. Yeah, okay. So do you think that women, especially in, like, in the fitness industry, do you think they need to be more realistic with their fitness goals? Because I think you see a lot on Instagram, like people, they, they Snapchat or they snap screen a shot of this person's physique. And you see that and you think, right, that, that person's either not natural or especially in like the, the bikini fitness sort of that sort of area. Do you think women need to be more, more realistic what they can achieve naturally due to like genetics, um, other supplements that some people might be taking? Yes, I think not even just achieving naturally is, over social media this this you'll see all these huge transformations and you know you'll compare your transformation to that and if you haven't achieved that in your first four weeks of training but this person on Instagram has dropped two stone mm. you kind of compare yourself but you do need to be realistic because one you don't know that them transformations are actually real and two the people that make such huge differences in a short space of time that is the very small minority of people so yeah i do think people need to be more realistic because everybody has different starting points so you can't yeah to people like you say that are assisted or the people that have had these huge transformations because you don't know what's going on you don't know yeah so how do you ever do you ever find it hard to like compare yourself to other people on social media do you deal with that sometimes um i have done I don't so much anymore. I did used to. You'd scroll through Instagram and I'd look at these girls and I'd wish that I had this or I had that or I didn't have this. Mm. Um, I don't tend to do that much anymore because of kind of, I know the fact that it's, you can't believe everything you see on social media. So what, what advice would you give someone who is struggling with comparing themselves on social media to other people and wanting this, like basically downing, being down and then beating themselves up because they can't, they don't feel like they can achieve this, this body or something like that. Comparing yourself to somebody, you are comparing yourself to somebody's snapshot. So they found the perfect lighting and they know the poses and they probably took 20 pictures before they've uploaded that one onto Instagram and you're comparing your worst, you know, you're slouching in the mirror and you've just eaten and then you're comparing it to somebody's picture. You, there's just no comparison to compare your worst to somebody else's best yeah exactly 
And I think, I think that's what people find it hard is they think that they, they probably know deep down that they don't look like that 100% of the time, like walking around, not posing. They're not, but then you obviously do compare yourself because you put yourself in the same pose or something like that. And you're like, okay, I still don't look the same. What's, what's going on? So I think that's a big issue. But I think it is getting better because people are posting a lot more kind of true stuff. Yeah. But it's just, I think it's depending who you follow as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, so in terms of like gym and motivation and stuff like that, do you find, I know a lot of people suffer with motivation. Sometimes they tend to lose the motivation in certain periods of like their life and stuff like that. Do you ever suffer with lack of motivation with living the fitness lifestyle? Do you have t- like days where you go off track and you don't like track your macros one day? Like what do you do? Cause I know some people like they don't track their macros one day or they have a day where they just don't, they go overboard or something like that. And then the next day they will strict and restrict and restrict and yeah. Although something like that, do you ever suffer with that? Um, I do suffer with, you know, sometimes you just you just can't be bothered and you're just not in the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I wouldn't say go off track because I'm not on track for anything at the minute. Um, no. If it was in prep kind of level, because I'm not in prep or I'm not aiming for anything, I wouldn't say I go off track, but I do have days where, you know, I just lie on the couch and eat Nutella with the spoon. and Yeah. I do that um, I did use to restrict the next day's following but I don't anymore because I've realized it just kind of leads once you've restricted then you're so hungry and you're craving again so yeah. then you overeat and then you restrict it and it just kind of carries on and carries on but I definitely do have days where I don't feel motivated yeah. so like if if some what advice would you give someone who's struggling to like see that progress and because I know that progress takes time and that, that can be that can be motivation lacking because they're not seeing that progress and they're training hard or they're eating the right things, they're following their plan um, and they're not seeing any progress or the progress that they wanted. What advice would you give them? Again, for the first part, I would say if you know 100% that you're putting in the work and you're actually, you know, applying yourself to your plans and your training program, then you, it just takes more time. But again rather than just focusing on the end goal and focusing on what you're actually working for take note of the smaller wins that you're achieving on the way so even just wins such as your jeans getting a little bit looser around the waist or you know you're managing to drink all of your water every day you can sprint a little bit faster on the treadmill you can lift heavier that's all progress so just because you feel like you're not making progress because you're not there yet you are still making progress if you put in in the work i think that's a big thing just focusing on not just how your body looks like how things you're achieving in life like things you're achieving elsewhere rather than just like focusing on just how you look is that will make it so much mentally more easier i found when you just focus on how you look and you're getting up every morning and like you're doing the three sixty in the mirror and you're never going to be happy because you're never going to be 100% happy with how you look. Mm-hmm. That's just what happens when you start training and you start working on your body. There's always improvements you want to make. So instead, focus on these other wins and then your aesthetics will just come and you won't have even noticed. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. I think you have to be prou- like, proud of your progress, uh, yeah. but then also never satisfied because you, you want to get better and you want to be better and do better but be proud of where you are now and don't think that you're where you are now is not good enough because where you are now is isn't it is like so good better than why you was well yeah exactly i think that's a big thing i think once you can achieve that in your head and once you're, you can get your mindset to believe that 
yeah so much happier as well yeah and those goals will be easier to achieve i think because you are then enjoying them you're not just kind of yeah you're drawing a ride yeah exactly so have you always had such a good um like no i know knowledge takes time but have you always kind of done the right things or how long have you kind of been training properly to get the results that you have um and really focused on nutrition and stuff like that i'd say around two to three years training proper um i've focused on nutrition for about three to four yeah not on the right things for the first year or two it's only been the last two years yeah. that I've actually been kind of focused on the right things okay so what sort of training style do you follow now um and kind of get your clients to follow and why personally I follow a it's I base a lot of my training around strength training and Olympic lifts powerlifting movements um but I do still enjoy the bodybuilding style of it so Kind of a mixture between the two and then sometimes I'll throw in some circuits or hit style training because I just kind of enjoy it. Yeah. In terms of clients, it depends on their goals, their starting points, depends on them and um, what they enjoy. So it's yeah. different for everybody really. So you'll make you'll kind of base that around a certain client and what yeah. they like. Okay. Yeah. So I know that you said that you kind of did when you started fitness, you did like the classes and things like that. What are your like views looking back now and how you train now and how you train your clients? What are your views on fitness classes? And do you think that someone can get that physique that they want doing these just these fitness classes? Um, I mean, it depends what physique the person wants. Uh, I think fitness classes are amazing for people who they haven't got the confidence to go to the gym themselves, or they haven't got the motivation to get there and train themselves or the knowledge. So in that sense, classes are great. Um, if somebody just wants to lose a little bit of weight or, you know, they've not got any specific kind of physique goals, then that's fine. But if you're looking for a physique at maybe a competing standard or even you're looking to build some quality muscle, yeah. I wouldn't say fitness class is an no. option. Especially, I think, a lot of it is if they're like hit classes, if you're doing a hit class or a really high-intensity class more than three times a week, that's really going to run your body down um, more, more so than maybe that, okay, like a strength training session would. Yeah. Especially the central nervous system. There is that um, risk of, because it's such a big class, the trainer at the front has not got the time or, you know, they can't watch every single person in the class, so then you're at more risk of injury. You might not even be doing the movement right. Yeah. you're cheating yourself and not actually pushing yourself so you do have the pros and cons yeah so if so if a client comes to you and they they want to do these classes would you um say to them that they can only do certain gym sessions and certain classes or would you say do my five gym sessions and then do an extra class on top or do you structure that their gym classes around your program it would totally depend on the client and their goals so if i had a client that was new to the gym and they were not willing to come in and train by themselves if they don't train by the self and they're not with me on that day, they wouldn't do any physical activity, then that's great. Get to a class, you know, get moving. If they do have more knowledge and they, they've got those specific goals, then I would tailor a programme, maybe not based around the classes. So if they're comfortable to go in the gym by the self, then I'd always opt for a session. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I think coming from that, I just think that people need to focus on 
on weight training, if they want to build muscle and build, like people always say they want to tone or they want to do this, they want to do that. I think at the end of the day, being in the gym, being with a, with a trainer like yourself or learning how to train properly, is, is that's going to how you're going to build that physique. Yeah. Yeah. So I followed you on social media. I know you have a very flexible um, approach to like your nutrition. Have you like always been this way? Look, what was your like relationship with food growing up? Have you ever had a bad relationship with food or has it always been kind of flexible? Growing up, I've always been, I am a big food person. Like I love food. Mm -hmm. I come from a family where we're all big eaters and we all enjoy food. And so I've always just had like a fine relationship with food. I've never had any problems. And then there was a stage long before I started competing for the first time. I went into the typical like clean eating kind of routine and that just spiraled out of control. So then I ended up with a bad relationship with food until I went on holiday. Um, and that was the turning point for me after my first competition season. That was when I started flexible dieting. Um, so then That's, I. Was, why did you start that? Was that just due to you just. How did you find out about it? I'd been, I'd, I always am researching and I'd known about flexible dieting for a while, but I was too scared to stop doing what I was doing. Yeah. And once I realised I couldn't keep, because I was in a binging restricting cycle, um, and I realised I couldn't keep doing that, I didn't feel good. I went on holiday with my mum and sister a couple of weeks after my first British finals, and I just wasn't fitting in any clothes. I just felt horrible, and I've never felt like that before. Yeah. that was the turning point so when I come back I knew I needed a way where I could eat the foods I enjoy mm-hmm. and a way that I could not binge so I put myself on a reverse diet um October, I think it was like the October November time and then I have tracked macros consistently not perfectly but consistently for the whole of 2016 all of this year until the beginning of this week when I've decided I'm not tracking anymore because I don't feel I need to anymore. And I think once you um, you track for so long, that's I tra- I used to be the same. I tracked for quite a period, long period of time, and then I got to that stage where I'm not even I don't need to anymore because I know this amount of this is going to be this much, and that's going to equivalent to around that much. And I'm not trying to li- like lose weight. I'm trying to just like have a healthy relationship with food, so I don't. Need to- in, I don't know I just don't need to track there's no there's not much point I can just eat yeah. that's exactly me and I find when tracking food I was tracking Monday to Friday and I wasn't tracking at the weekends um but still even through the week I have OCD tendencies so it's very rare that I'll go over macros yeah but if I'm hungry and I feel like my body can need more food if I'm not tracking it I'll eat it whereas if I'm tracking I won't so it's just not, I just don't need to track at this stage. Yeah, exactly. So I know that um, a lot of women nowadays, like when they start getting into fitness or just a lot of women that aren't educated in how the body works and how nutrition works, they, they have a certain fear over certain food groups. Like it's not it's predominantly carbs and fats. Like women will fear having too much carb because that makes them fat. Yeah. Eating carbs after a certain, like, certain time makes you fat. Eating too much fat makes you fat. Yeah. Like, why, why do women have this fear and how do you kind of get your clients not to fear this when they come to you? I think the fear comes from the media um, and the myths. And I mean, I used to believe them and 
the one I used to believe was that if you ate food, lay in bed, then the food would kind of sit on you. But then yeah. that really made perfect sense to me. But then why does it not sit on you when you sit on the couch? Like, what's the difference? Yeah. I think with clients, how I kind of get them to change the mindset is I try to lead by example. So I will show clients if I'm eating carbs after six, or I'll show clients if I'm overeating one day because it doesn't kind of in the grand scheme of things one day doesn't make a difference so I do try to lead by example to kind of squash the myths yeah exactly I think that's I think that's what I've seen from your account and from your social media is that you're so honest with what you do and I think that kind of that brings more people to you because they're like oh my gosh she can do that and she looks the way she does and she has that lifestyle that she loves and she can enjoy foods and things like that I want to I wanna learn how to do that. And I think that's, that's a great thing to do is just to be honest with your lifestyle and honest that you kind of practice what you preach. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. So why is it, like I know that you said that we shouldn't fear carbs, but why shouldn't we fear, why shouldn't we fear carbs and why shouldn't we fear fats? Especially for women. Every single food group has a function. Um, so you fearing fats, but you need them for your hormones and you need them for energy and fearing protein you need them like a lot of women as well are a bit scared to eat a lot of protein but you actually need it to grow and repair and carbs you need for energy and it's so delicious so (laughs) they all have a place in the diet so I think also that when you restrict yourself especially from carbs especially in women as well around the menstrual cycle especially that's when we crave more carbs I find Um, when you restrict when you restrict from that that's when you get more and more cravings and then you end up because you've restricted yourself eating that pita bread mm. which is white and not brown. Mm. You will then end up because you've been craving and you've been thinking about the carbs, you'll end up then going to eat ten chocolate bars yeah. and sort of just eat the pita bread and you know. And then also your th- that boils down to you thinking about food twenty four seven because you restricted like, oh my god, I'm thinking about that white pizza. Why didn't I have that white pizza? Yes. I'm gonna have ten white pizzas now. Yes. So it just makes you think about food like we should yes, we should love food and enjoy food, but we shouldn't be constantly thinking about, oh I can't have this, I can't have that, or thinking about food twenty four seven because life is more than just food. Yeah. And I Definitely. think that's a big thing. Um, so I saw one of the Instagram, um, Instagram posts sorry, that your own pe- personal transformation, which is really, really amazing. And I saw that you said um, that you've been through two competition seasons now. Yeah. So, and you said that I remember you saying after your first competition, you suffered with quite a bad like, rebound. Yeah. Can you tell everyone a bit about this phase and what happened to you and how you kind of overcame it? Um, so when I was doing my first competition season, um, so I'm self-prepped, I don't have a coach. Ever? You've never had a coach ever? No. Okay. So when I first got into competing, I didn't, I didn't have the muscle base, I didn't ha- I just kind of, I kind of fell into it. Yeah. And when the British finals was coming up and it was coming towards the end of the season, I knew I needed to be bigger and knew I wanted more muscle. I knew how I wanted to look, but... I couldn't bring myself to increase calories or decrease cardio because I was scared of what would happen. Mm. Um, and that's where the binging came in because I'd just eat loads because I just wish I could eat more. And I think as well because I was so restricted because my I had a meal plan for myself and it had six, maybe seven kind of food items and that was it. So I just was so restricted. And then I'd binge and then because I had the British finals coming up, I'd restrict and then I'd binge. And Mm. once I'd done the British finals for about two weeks after before I went on the holiday um, 
it was like I was justifying it because I could do it and I had no show so I was just eating and eating like I remember one day we was going for a family curry um, and while we was waiting for the taxi to come and pick us up I was um, spreading peanut butter and Nutella on a chocolate snacker jack and I was thinking to myself why like you're going for a curry why you, know, you don't need to eat it and it just carried on and carried on and then I went on holiday none of my clothes fit and I just didn't feel good in my own skin and that I just told myself, there's no way I'm ever I'm going to get through it. I'm never going to go through it again. So I came back and I literally just focused my whole energy on improving my relationship with food. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about another competition season until, yeah. Okay. So would you say that you, I know that you, you've literally said today in one of your um, Instagram stories, actually, that you said that, you think that people tell them, they, t- they taste themselves that they binge, but they're just kind of overeating. Yeah. Did you find that you actually were a bit properly binging and you couldn't yeah. physically stop? I would be stood in the kitchen and I'd just be making bowls of cereal. And then there was, at one point, there was birthday cake left over um, in the fridge and I was cutting slices of that. And then I was, you know, I was addicted to the peanut butter and the color and chocolate snack. And I'd eat all this food and tortilla wraps and I wasn't enjoying it and I couldn't stop myself and then I'd take myself to the gym to do cardio because that was the only way I was going to stop yeah that is binging um that's what I meant in my post today there's a clear difference yeah there is a clear difference and I think that's a big thing and people kind of always say like they put themselves down because they think that they binge but they don't they just kind of overeat because they've got a bad relationship with food yeah yeah or even sometimes you might not even have a bad relationship with food but Everybody overeats. Like I said, you might just go for a meal and you'll eat and you feel a bit full. Mm. Or, you know, you might just be sat in the house and you just fancy, you know, like I do anyway, I just fancy eating the world. Yeah. And that's not binging. You're choosing to do it and you're enjoying what you're eating. That's yeah, you're overeating. Kind of, it happens. Mm. So how, what was kind of like the first thing that you did to kind of one day think, like, I need to stop this and I need to, like, stop binging? How did you do it? I have a mentality if I tell myself I'm doing something that is it it's all or nothing I told myself I wasn't going to come back from that holiday and binge this the we landed at about 8 p.m at night in that morning I was at the gym I come back and then that was it I put myself back I knew I had to start back on kind of lower calories close to what I finished my competition prep on I knew it was too low but I knew I had to start somewhere and work up Mm-hmm. So I literally stuck to them for the full week. I wasn't having no off kind of plan meals, mm-hmm. but I was flexible dieting. Um, I mean, at the beginning, I kind of took the flexible dieting too far and I was just constantly, but that was, it was keeping my, keeping me in my calories. So I was sticking to the calories and then the more, like, the more I got used to it and the more uh, my calories was going up, I was then putting nutritious foods back in, but that did help me at that time. Yeah. Okay. So would you have a client that comes to you with like, who wants to do the flexible dieting? Do you focus more, like, especially you as well, do you now looking at your diet, what percentage of your food is kind of like wholesome food and what is kind of, what would you say, more flexible? Do you know, the majority of my food, I'd say 80-90% is whole nutritious food. Just because you like it. Yeah, I, I do enjoy it and how it makes me feel and they fill me up. It is literally just my post-workout meal so I always have cereal and then my evening meal because that's where 
I get peckish and that's where I crave. So I would fit them things in. Everything else throughout the day is whole nutritious food. I think that's, it can also be damning as well because when people have this, if it fits your macros diet and they will post on social media just the stuff that they find interesting. So yeah. that part of their diet and your fitness macros, that is kind of not so healthy. Yeah. So then kind of, I think people do see that and they think, right, wow, she eats all that all the time. So that if I do if you fitness macros, I can eat that every single meal. But yeah. reality is not every single meal is like that. It's just kind of like, something like that. Yeah. So do you ever suffer, do you ever have like suffer with clients coming to you and they have this, if you fit your macros diet and it's really not that great. Do you kind of how do you make them kind of eat more wholesome foods? Um, I just kind of make them not make them, I just help them see the benefit of putting nutrients into your body in. Mm-hmm. I find that I don't think I've come across one person who has tried eating more whole foods and not enjoyed it. Yeah. So because it's what Sarah? Society, it makes you feel full and Yeah. And if you can get creative with your meals, people have this misconception that to eat whole food, it's got to be chicken, rice and broccoli, and it doesn't. You can make so many meals and yeah. eat so many flavours and still get your nutrients, so it doesn't have to be boring. Yeah. I know that um, you're a PT, and it's a pure gym that you're a PT. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I know, how long did you, have you been a PT now? Three years. Three years. So when did you realise like just your PT course was not going to be enough to like for like your education? Did you think and do you think some people, personal trainers think that they want to become personal trainer because they think, right, I can do this like six month course or this course and just and do no further education and just go in a gym and that's gonna be my job. Do you find that and like yeah. did you realise that wasn't just enough? I knew before I'd done the course, so I was already doing my own research and I was already developing my knowledge before I even decided I wanted to do this as a career so when I done the course I did learn on the course I did learn things but I was doing it to get the qualification and I knew that wasn't going to swap the sides um so I already knew before I started but Mm. there's a lot of trainers in the industry that just do the course and they're not willing to invest in any other courses and they're not willing to develop the knowledge because you think that you just get paid for standing around and training people all day. Yeah. Which is frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. So for someone that wants to become um, so like a PT, a personal trainer or an online coach, yep. what do you think are the main things they need to consider um, before doing so? You need to be willing to put in the time. People think that you only work the hours that you're actually in the gym with the client, and it's not. If you want to be a good coach and you love what you do, there's no switch off, so you need to be prepared for that. Um, it's literally seven days a week. There's no, you know, the only time you're not thinking about work or you're not working is when you're sleeping. Mm. Um, you've got to be willing to invest a lot because for quite a while, you know, there's not much of a return on your investment. Um, it is hard work, but if you love it and it's what you you know you want to do you'd be willing to do that yeah so what are your best tips for someone starting out as like a pt or they want to start becoming a pc what are your best tips that kind of mistakes that you made or some of the advice that you would give someone starting out in a commercial gym because i know commercial gyms are hard to um to, to be personal trainers at so what advice would you give for one know your niche um 
to sort of know who you want to appeal to, who you want to work with. And don't try to sell. Um, I've never, ever sold training to anybody. I'm, I'm not a salesperson, you know. If somebody wants my help, they come to me. I, I've never been that person to be pushy, and I think it does push people away. Um, so, yeah, just be yourself. Be willing to help people. Be true to yourself, really, because those trainers that are completely fake and, you know, they don't know what they're talking about, it does show through. So you need to be willing to apply yourself. Yeah. So was it hard when you started doing a T, was it PT, sorry, was it hard for you to gain a good client base and keep that client base? Um, I wouldn't say. I started taking on clients around four or five weeks after I'd actually qualified and I started working in the gym. And then by, I started in the April, by the December, I was off the shift and I was paying rent. Um, so it wasn't that hard to build up or retain clients because I make sure that I do invest in the clients and I actually look after the clients that I've got rather than constantly out looking for new ones. So it's not that hard to kind of keep clients. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So with your clientele now, are they mostly female or do you coach males as well? Do you focus, what's your niche? Female. Um, I mean, I do help males as well. So I do have males messaging or asking for advice, but I don't actually have any signed onto the team. Okay. I just think I connect more with females. I'm quite, quite a feminist. <laughs> so I do connect with females and I think they can relate to me a lot. So it is 100% females at the minute on the team. Yeah. So is it more like, do you, is it just competitors that you coach or do you have general population clients no. or is it a mixture of everything? General lifestyle clients is the majority. Um, I think that's mainly where my passion lies is helping, you know, females get stronger, feel stronger, feel better about themselves, improve their relationship with food. Yeah, definitely. Even though I competed myself, like my passion lies with, actually helping more lifestyle clients achieve their goals and stuff like yeah that. yeah so um i know you said it's very important to further educate yourself when you're being becoming a pt so um what kind of courses did you do um to further educate yourself i've done i do day courses and i'll go um it's a pure gym do bring in people like phil learning i've done a couple of free courses like Lars, um, I have a Shredded by Science um, course coming up. And then I'm studying in uh, the Phil Learney Advanced Coaching Academy. Mm. And then I'm doing the Applied Nutrition and Supplementation as well. So when I pass that, I'll actually be registered nutritionist. So uh -huh. I'm in as much as I can remember. Yeah, that's good. That's... How is the, the MAC Nutrition course? It is really good. It's the... I am... Um, Nutrition Academy, mm. but you do it through the Advanced Coaching Academy. Okay. Um, so yeah, it is really good. It's very intense, but yeah, is it all online? Do you do mostly online stuff, or do you do like attend? No, it's all online. So <laughs> you need a lot of attention span. <laughs> yes. Um, for someone who's looking for an online coach or a PT, what do they need to be looking out for? Like in specific, in specific, would you say someone who cares? So you. You get, you know, you get some online coaches that they have a huge client base that are, and they're showing these transformations all the time, and yeah. but they don't actually 
care about the client. You need someone who is going to be on hand. You, you know, you panic in on a Saturday night or you're not feeling too good. You need a coach there that can be kind of responsive. And I'd say that over anything a coach that has. Yeah. So what are some like triggers of like when you look at someone like I know that you don't have a coach yourself, but when you're looking for Instagram, you're seeing these coaches. What are the signs that someone can see? So if someone's listening to this and they want to find a coach and they're trying to figure out who to, who to pick, what are the signs of kind of a bad coach and not to pick this person just by just looking at their account or their website or something like that? Or can you not really I would say, personally for me, if a coach was to only post these physical transformations and look what people have achieved in eight weeks and look this, look that, that to me would say that they are just results-based. They just want to get you shredded or they just want to build your muscle and that's it. They don't actually take into consideration, you know, the mental side of things and they don't actually want to help you better your health and you know transformations are not just physical. So if no, I was mean they have the knowledge either. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, looking for someone's just say Instagram and if they're posting everyone's just transformation, they're not posting like valuable content. Like I think a big thing is posting this valuable content that's just free for someone to read. It shows that you actually care and you actually yeah. help people and you're giving it for free. So that in, I think that makes people want to kind of have your services more because that you're willing to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, in terms of social media and stuff like that, what is kind of like some of the biggest trends that you see on social media in the fitness industry about fitness and nutrition that are like so untrue and, and why? Like things like, um, like you need to squat or you need to, eat, you need to eat clean or something like that. What are some of that yours that bugs you? Do you ever have any? Um, I think, I do think the whole, if it fits your macros, even though I did do flexible dieting for a long time, the whole kind of, you know, when people portray that they only eat this amazing food, mm. when they don't, they eat the boring stuff as well. That does really bother me. Um, and one thing that does really bother me is when people are posting videos about squeezing and contracting the muscle. And yeah. yes, you need to do that. But if you're not actually lifting heavy enough, you know, squeezing doesn't build the muscle. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of people that are training and they'll do lightweight, high rep training because they're squeezing the muscle in. Just no. <laughs> You're not going to actually build a, a sort of physique just squeezing it. Yeah, squeezing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I like to ask kind of one question to the same people at the end of the podcast, and that is, can you tell me um, in a day, like one good habit that you do kind of every day and one bad habit that you kind of you just you, you do, but you kind of wish that you didn't do or you shouldn't do? Good habit, I would say... I have a to-do list for every day um, and I do that at the beginning of every week and then every day I'll tick the to-do list off. Yeah. I'd say that is one of the best habits because otherwise I'd get nothing done. Yeah. And bad habit, I would say, checking my phone before I go to sleep. Because if I see something that interests me or something that, you know, I mean, I want to read more or I want to reply to, yeah. then I'm up then and then sleep's out the window. So, <laughs> so sleep is something that you need to focus on. <laughs> well, um, just before we end, can you tell everyone where they can find you kind of on social media and find out about your services and stuff like that? Well, I am on Instagram at Whitley Davis. That's W-H-I-T-L-E-Y-D-A-V-I-E-S. I'm on Facebook as Whitley Davis. 
and I don't yet have the website up and running but that should be up in a couple of weeks at uniquefitness.org. Perfect well thank you so much for coming on I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. See you later. Hey everyone thank you so much for listening if you made it this far well done um i'll be posting all my next podcasts on youtube soundcloud and itunes as always which is always thrive by hannah felicity um and also on my instagram at hannah underscore felicity underscore edwards if you like this podcast please give it a review on itunes as any feedback is greatly appreciated um also if anyone has any ideas of content they want to hear in the future please drop me drop me a message on my instagram drop me an email at hannah.felicity at gmail.com thank you